0: I want to invite you to take your Bible and find Luke chapter 6, the gospel of Luke chapter 6. This is our last Sunday in Luke 6. We have been listening to Jesus lay down the foundational principles about the kingdom of God. That's our... Big picture theme for the Gospel of Luke, remember, finding out what the kingdom of God is like. And Jesus here has been laying down the foundational principles of the kingdom. First, regarding uh, self, then, regarding others, our perspective on others. We took that in a two week time period. And finally, today, the kingdom perspective um, on God. And in particular, the kingdom perspective on God, the second person. The Lord Jesus Christ. And So in these last four verses of Luke 6, he's addressing our view of himself. That is our view of Jesus. And to put it very simply, the question that he raises for us here. Is this how important is obedience to His Word? We uh, Protestant Christian believers are firmly rooted in the Reformation tradition of the gospel. Of Jesus Christ, which is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that's the right place to be rooted. The, the salvation that God provides for mankind is by grace alone, through not works, but through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's the banner that we fly. That is the biblical the biblically faithful gospel. And because that that is our emphasis, that salvation is through faith in Christ and not by works, because of that very emphasis, we're likely to think that belief is the critical thing for a person, Belief in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Belief is the critical thing. And then to really struggle with the question, well, if belief is the main thing, then how important is obedience to the word of Christ? Like, how important is that really? If belief is the main thing, I think we really struggle with the question, well, then how important is obedience? What would you say to that question? How important is it that we live in the way that Jesus is describing here in Luke 6 all these things we've been learning about That he describes here, that he describes in Matthew 5 through 7, and in the whole gospel testimony. How important is it really that we live that way? Does it matter? And how much does it matter? These are the things that we're looking into today. Jesus raises the topic himself. He brings it up at the very end. He addresses the subject how important is it really for a disciple to obey what I'm telling them here? And that's what we're looking into today, all right? The text is Luke 6, verses 46 through 49. So only four verses. Let's stand if you're able for the reading of the word. Luke six forty six. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Father, um, I pray for us all that in these moments um, your word would mean more to us. Um, than anything, that you would show us what this means. And with the, the precision of the perfect surgeon, apply it exactly where it needs to be applied to each listener for the glory of Jesus. And we ask in his holy name, amen. All right, please be seated. Jesus asks a question, that's verse 46. It's a very convicting question. The point of the question is self-reflection. Let's make sure we understand who his question is addressed to. What's the profile of the person who's being addressed With this question in verse 46. What is their profile? Well, the person being addressed is first of all a disciple. A disciple of Jesus. We know that that's true because according to verse 20. Jesus lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said these things. Okay, and the audience hasn't changed here at the end of Luke 6. He's speaking to his disciples. The person is a a disciple of Jesus we could say one more thing about the profile of this person who the question is addressed to. They are a person who is a disciple who expresses a high degree of commitment to Jesus with their words. They call him Lord, Lord. That's an emphatic statement. Not just Lord, but emphatic Lord, Lord. They're insistent that Jesus is Lord and that he's their Lord. They're calling him Lord repeatedly. So in summary, the profile of the person who's addressed here with this question is someone who is by most outward appearances committed To Jesus, they're taking in his teaching, right? They're present with him. They're taking in his teaching and they're calling him Lord emphatically. So just stop and ask yourself, do I fit this profile? Am I often taking in his teaching and am I emphatic that Jesus is Lord and that he's my Lord? Is that true of you? If you fit that profile, this question is for you. This question for self-reflection is for you. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? That question causes a bit of a crisis in the soul, doesn't it? Jesus is putting back together two things that we have separated belief and obedience. Jesus is putting back together two things that we have separated belief and obedience. He's not drawing the distinctions that we would like him to draw. He doesn't say things like, Belief in me is super important, it's all critical. Belief is the thing of eternal consequence. And on the other hand, obedience to my word is also important, but let's not be silly. It doesn't rise to the level of belief, okay? He doesn't say that. We would like for him to draw those distinctions and say, belief is up here and obedience is down here. And he doesn't give us a hierarchy of importance. He presents us with a unity Essentially asking the question, why have you separated belief and obedience? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to do? In what sense am I Lord if you don't do what I tell you to do? Just as Jesus doesn't separate his two natures for us neatly, his divine nature and his human nature, which both fully exist in him, just as he doesn't do that for us, he doesn't spell out for us anywhere in the gospel, oh yeah, I have a divine nature and a human nature. No, he just presents himself as one unified, unique person. Without explanation, so he presents being his disciple as one unified whole belief and obedience. And why have you separated what Christ has not separated? Why have you called belief critical and obedience optional? The separation of belief and obedience has catastrophic consequences. And Jesus is going to illustrate that in in just a moment. Before we get to his illustration, let's think about our own real-time illustration of what happens when belief is separated from obedience. There are almost limitless examples, but let's just take the low-hanging fruit today. Many of you will know that just this past week, the, the largest Protestant Christian denomination in the United States released an independent report that they ordered of their own denomination. Looking into and reporting on the the ways that it over the past decades sexual abuse crimes among their own pastors and denominational leaders had had failed to be reported on how victims had not been believed or helped or loved but shamed and sent away They failed within their denomination to report offenders to the authorities. They failed to expel offenders from their own denomination. They failed to warn other churches within their denomination that offenders were among them and in in their own churches. And the report that came out basically detailed an, an unequivocal nightmare of horrible and evil decision-making that was aimed at self-preservation and not at Christ-likeness. And this, from people who, like us, trumpet very loudly the lordship of Jesus, but who have taken very lightly Obedience to the word of Jesus. Somewhere along the line, and at many different points along the line over the last few decades, obedience has not been viewed as critical. Belief and obedience have not been viewed as integral, as a unified whole. They've been separated and stratified, and the result is ruin. Ruin that defies description. Ruin in the lives of people that it's almost insensitive to try to even describe the ruin that has been created because of the way that that denomination separated belief from obedience. And it's not just them. It's in in every denomination. This is just the most recent example. But it's been so ruinous that I don't even want to use adjectives to try to describe what the ruin is like. It's best to just look at the words of Jesus when he says the ruin of that house was great. And we're going we're gonna to look at the illustration that Jesus uses about the houses in just a moment. But before we do that, I, I want to invite you to take a moment for self-reflection. And ask yourself, have I separated belief and obedience in my mind? Have I made an unwarranted distinction between the two and called one critical and the other optional? Do I give Jesus the honorary title of Lord in my life while in actuality I'm the one who is acting Lord? Feeding myself on sin? Creating my own rules for what the Christian life looks like? Have I forgotten or have I never known that when Jesus called his disciples, when he encountered them for the first time, his first word to them was, follow me, not believe in me, and that belief came later? what we have to realize is that it's really convenient for us to separate belief from obedience. It's really, really convenient to do. Because you know what that allows us to do? It allows us to hang on to that most treasured possession that we have called independence. If I separate belief from obedience, that means I get to do whatever I want to do, whatever makes me feel good whatever feeds my appetites and my desires. And all the while, while I'm doing all that stuff, I'm wearing a parachute. So that the things get really bad, I've got this parachute of salvation on my back, but I've got my independence. It's super convenient. And to such people who have made that distinction in their lives, Jesus directs his words at the end of Luke 6. He uses an illustration to teach us It's an illustration using the image of building a house. And the point of the illustration is to show us how dangerous it is to separate belief in Christ from obedience to Christ. That situation, he says, the man who has separated, the man or woman who has separated belief and obedience... says, you know what that's like? It's like a man who built his house on the ground. Can you imagine building a house on the ground? On top of the dirt? (laughs) Just building it right on top of the dirt? This is verse 49. The one who hears and does not do. So the one who looks at obedience and says, nah, that's not critical. It's not critical to do that work. It's too hard to obey. Self-denial is involved, discipline is involved, sacrifice is involved. The person that hears my words and doesn't do them, that's like a man deciding to forego the hard work of digging deep to lay the foundation for his house. He views that work as not critical to the house. He can have the nice house without all the work and everything will be fine. So, if you are not engaging the admittedly hard work of obedience to the word of Christ, this illustration is a picture of what your life is like. You are living in a house built on top of the dirt that lacks a foundation. And while everything might seem fine to you, Everything seems sturdy enough. No problems to this point. Everything is not fine. Think about how dangerous your situation is. Think about why it's so dangerous. It's so dangerous because there is the illusion of security. You know, you've got your confession of faith in your pocket, The seemingly critical thing seems like a sturdy house to live in. That should hold. Your house looks just as nice as your neighbor's, but with a lot less work. And the problem is that it's only an illusion of security. Because when the storm comes, immediately the house falls in its great ruin. Turned out to not be a safe place after all. But it was only realized too late. It would have been better to never have had the illusion of security because then you could have found a safe place when the storm came. But that was not possible because you thought you were safe in the house that you had built and that was the real danger. You were deceived and this is what Jesus says your life is like if you have separated belief from obedience in your mind, calling him Lord, even emphatically, but not doing the hard work of obedience to his word. You're practicing what we could call halfway discipleship. You're getting the words right. You're getting that half right. Calling him Lord, Lord, that's really good. That's half. You're not getting right the actions, the attitudes, the discipline, the hard work. You are a house without a foundation. On the other hand, verse forty-seven. The one who comes and hears and does is like a man. Look at verse forty-eight. Like a man building a house who dug deep. Don't um, don't glide over those words. Like a man building a house who dug deep that's hard work dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock and when the flood arose stream broke against the house and couldn't shake it because it had been well built The one who does not separate the leaf from obedience is secure The one who calls him Lord Lord and treats him as Lord is secure Now, what kind of security are we talking about here? Are we talking about security during the trials of life? Is that the kind of security that we're talking about? Like when a storm, the storms of life come, that you'll be secure? Are we talking about, uh, like, eternal security? Security through the final judgment? Eternally Secure on the day of judgment, like later in the end? Is it security now in this life for trials? Is security in the end for eternal life? Is it both? Is it neither? Jesus doesn't say. So, what conclusion should we draw? the conclusion we should draw from the reality that he doesn't specify is that the exact nature of the security must not be the main point. It must not be the main point for us to understand what the nature of the security that he's talking about is. You know, sometimes God doesn't give us everything we might like to know. Sometimes not all of the blanks are filled in, and he's not as specific as we would like him to be. But you know what? I I really think this is true. I'm convinced this is true. When God doesn't give us everything we might like to have, when he doesn't give us all the information, there is a divine love and wisdom behind that decision to not tell us everything. Because you know what's very likely? If we knew more, we would abuse the additional knowledge that we have. It doesn't tell us the nature of the security. Whether this is aimed at avoiding ruin in our present life or more aimed at avoiding eternal ruin, that's just not given. It may be either. It might be both. It's not the main point. What is the main point? The main point is that we should be just as earnest about obedience to his word as we are about confession of his name. The main point is that we should be just as earnest about obedience to his word as we are about confession of his name. As a matter of fact, you could make a good argument and a good argument from this passage that we should be more concerned about obedience to his word as we are confession of his name. Because it's much harder work to be obedient to his word than it is to confess his name. It takes very little effort to say, Lord, Lord, but it takes a lot of effort to dig deep and lay a solid foundation. And I fear, and I think we all realize that we have gotten those proportions exactly wrong and exactly opposite in our lives as Christians. We have majored on confession and we have minored on obedience, and the result has been ruin for lots of people. I'm not concerned that we're going to get the gospel wrong and start thinking that it's salvation by works because of preaching a message like this. I'm not concerned about that at all. We are well-founded on the gospel of grace through faith in Christ. I'm not concerned that we're going to put too much an emphasis on works and too much emphasis on obedience. That's the exact thing that's been our problem. It's both. Just drink in the main point one more time. We are to be just as earnest, if not more so, about obedience to his word as we are confession of his name. Why do we call him Lord, Lord, and not do what he tells us to do? It leads to ruin it's very dangerous to be a halfway disciple. On the other hand, it's very joyful to be an all-the-way disciple. Halfway discipleship is halfway joy. When we're not committed to obeying the word of Christ and we just do whatever we want to do, that leads to shame and guilt and emptiness, and fear, and unhappiness, and it brings an incongruence of life. But giving up your independence and placing yourself under the yoke of Jesus and allowing him to lead and staying in step with him in that kind of full attachment, there is full joy. there is no more gracious person to be in relationship with than Jesus. He knows that we will stumble. He is the strong one in this relationship. And he knows your heart and he knows your work. He he has looked out of his window, as it were, and seen you digging deep to lay a solid Foundation of obedience. He knows what you're like. He has looked out and either seen you digging a foundation of obedience or he's looked out his window and seen you sitting in a chair and doing nothing. He knows who his neighbor is. He knows your nature and your heart and your desire and he knows your work. He sees your steps to try and lay a good foundation and he is gracious and he is forgiving of your missteps he knows how to help and treat his own okay so don't worry up front about the errors that you'll make as part of the digging process and how you probably won't get it all right it just brings a smile to his face to see you grab a shovel and say, let's go, let's do it, okay? All right, let's pray. Call you, Lord, every Sunday, every day in between. Oh, Father, give us hearts that are just as eager to obey and give us lots of joy in the process. We pray in Jesus' beautiful name, amen.